Welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about two uh, small releases because we're in, in the doldrums of summer. Uh, support the girls and Juliet Naked, and I'm here with uh, one of my friends who's the best of my friends maybe of seeing such obscure movies, Hannah Couture. <laughs> Hannah, thanks for being here for me. Thanks for having me. And I say for me because like... I don't know if I'm going to have any other friends that see these movies. I'm, I, I, or maybe a few, but like I knew I could count on you. And you, sure enough, you made it to all of them even sooner than I did. Um, but we're going to start with Support the Girls, which is the newest movie from uh, Andrew Bujowski, who is, I guess, I don't know, is he the father of Mumblecore? Is that how they describe him? I saw the first something one? that described him that way. I don't know. I don't, I don't really I'm know who that, that stuff is. started with. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of like the earliest, earliest Mumblecore stuff, but like, I guess, because I hadn't seen anything of his from before Results, you know, which came out a few, few years ago, and maybe I will go back and do it, because like, I really like Support the Girls, but Support the Girls, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, is um, a movie about a... Uh, Hooters-like restaurant in somewhere in Texas. I don't know if they say what city it is. But I don't think they specify. It, it seems like it's in like a – it's not like in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like it's not in the desert in West Texas. It's probably like in a – kind of on the outskirts of a bigger city if I had to guess. And it just follows – It's I guess it all takes place over the course of – most of it takes course over the place of one day. And it follows uh, Regina Hall who manages this restaurant as she – kind of deals with all the different issues that arise over the course of the day with a lot of the other girls that work as waitresses at the restaurant and the challenges they face and just the various things that come up over the course of day-to-day of working at a place like that. And I mean, things kind of uh, escalate because this is a movie and things uh, need to happen, even in a mumblecore type movie. And yeah, I mean, it's a mumblecore movie and it's, so I don't want, it's not like a whole big plot for me to summarize, but I think, um, as uh, mundane as that might sound, I think it's a pretty powerful and interesting movie at times. So, uh, Hannah, what did you think uh, going into this one? And uh, ultimately, it's it sounds it's based on what we've already talked about. Sounds like you liked it. So, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Um, I really liked it. I, the, my biggest takeaway is that I think um, both Regina Hall and Haley Lou Richardson are really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone in it is good. The um, now I can't think of her name. That uh, the actress who plays the other waitress. Yeah, Shyla something. And I guess she's a musician yeah. whose actual name is uh, Jungle Pussy. Or not actual All I can think of is Jungle, Jungle Pussy. Pussy. I can't think of her actual name. I'm looking it up. But yeah, all of them were terrific. And I had been looking forward to this movie because I had seen, I'd seen the trailer and I had seen good reviews of it coming out of whatever festival it played at. Um, yeah. And I was also pleasantly surprised that I was able to see it at all because I had looked up um, it's released and it was pretty limited, but then it was available to rent this week. Yeah, so would, I would, wouldn't it, it be nice if like all movies did that? You know what I mean? It's like either release them, re- release them some way so I can see them. Right. It's like, like I mean, I'm not picky. And, and, and we, that's something we've talked about a lot where it's like, we don't live in LA or New York and we don't, so we don't get all that stuff, but it's like, just as an aside, it's like, come on, can't we like actually have those movies just like all the time just show up like if you're not going to end up bringing it to a market of our size like why not just put it on fandango some people like us might pay six dollars to watch it you know um yep i, I think i might have cut you off did were you going somewhere else with your point oh no i was just looking up shana mchale is That's the other shana or, Shayla or something yeah no she she was good too um but I'd, I'd say the coolest thing about this movie for me is that i kind of and it's part of the reason why i should maybe like go back and look at more of his movies because i thought results was just okay um i wasn't a big fan of results although now i might go back and give it another shot yeah for sure and like i i mean it's still i just regardless of like what i thought of like 
the rest of the movie itself. I enjoy that, like how he chooses to like go and examine certain places and I guess subcultures. Cause I know one of his other films is about like a chess community or something mm-hmm. random like that, or I think it's called computer chess, but computer I, chess. um, so like maybe that would be worth going and looking at, but it, first of all, it's funny that like, I guess he's from Boston and went to school at Harvard and, if you were like a guy like that's gonna write like a really good movie about like a subculture of women in like rural Texas, like I right? assumed he was from Texas. Yeah, no, because I results think results is also said in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I think results is in Austin. I think. Uh, so yeah, I, I just kind of assumed that. But he's like, no, this is a guy from the Northeast, and he's setting the movie here, and he's writing a movie with a lot of really interesting female characters, and I, I really appreciated that. And I thought it's just really cool how the biggest thing for me is that, like you're dropped in amongst all these women, and like you can like tell so easily like. And it's it's a lot of it. The test, a lot of that goes to the performers as well. Like you already touched on, but it's like you really feel like you are even when you've only been in that restaurant for fifteen minutes. Like you kind of get the vibe that these girls have and how like they are that close and how they're basically a family. Mm-hmm. And I normally would probably be kind of skeptical of uh, a man writing and directing a movie set in you know a, a Hooters, basically. Um, because if you just give me that log line, I'm like, Hmm, that sounds kind of gross, but it's not, it's never gross. It's never like, it's always respectful of these characters. And I think it's really smart to have the story be about, um, a female manager of one of these places and like sort of the conflict that that brings up and like how she tries her best to, um, to help all the women who work for her and like there's several scenes of her like kicking dudes out for being disrespectful right. and like but it also touches on like how there's only so much she can do because she's not in charge you know she's a manager but she's not yeah you know there are still people above her so she still has to adhere to like some of their gross policies but it's never like judgmental of these women for working there and you totally they all do feel like real people right and you know how the um I guess I'm sure you saw because you're a person that's on Twitter from time to time like myself. There, there's a big deal a few weeks ago where that someone wrote an article about how our millennials killing Hooters like they kill everything yeah, else. And how uh, the, the conclusion that the article came to is one, millennials don't like spend, spending money when they eat out. And two, millennials don't like boobs. And like that was actually <laughs> what the article said. And no, it, I, yeah, I did see and, that. And the predictable like response to that was – uh no like millennials like boobs just fine but like they don't like they might just not like eating at a place where it's like old men like to go and leer at women mm-hmm. wearing that are scantily clad and while yes that's true i still think even that response in and of itself like overlooks the fact that like these women are more than just things for people to stare at you know and that's what that discussion kind of reduces them to and it's really cool to just like dive in and like see what some of these women might actually be like because why not? Who else has ever even thought to make a movie about something like that? And one of the things that and you kind of said how like the movie's really respectful of them. And one of the things I, and I think what that's key in is something I read in a lot of the reviews and it was like something I think I felt as I was watching it, but I had trouble like actually, actually being the one to put that into words until I went and read reviews. But it's like, you can kind of tell where he stands on this stuff. Bulgowski, like he's just as he finds all these leery, creepy dudes, pretty repugnant, but it doesn't really feel like the movie is on a soapbox about that. Like, Mm-mm. I think it, it trusts the audience to get that these guys aren't that good. And you just see how the women handle themselves around them. And it's like, yeah, we we get it. And we get that, like, we get where he Buljowski stands on this stuff. And just by showing us these women that know how to handle themselves in that environment, like, that's enough. You don't need to, like, have some 
big monologue about how society treats us or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's also trusting its female audience to be like, yeah, that's, that's how it happens. You know, like it wouldn't any sort of, sort of, uh, more explanation of any of those scenes would have been for the benefit of men. Like any right. woman watching this is like, yep. I mean, that is how a lot of men would behave in that situation. You don't need to put too fine a point on it. You know, it doesn't, um, it, it, it's not a, like a dumbed down, I don't know, version of like sexism is bad. Can you believe some men treat women this way? It's like, yeah, no, we got it. Thanks. Yeah. And even like the, even like the car wash sequence, like that could have easily like gone in that direction or like gone in like a much more predictable route for like, Oh, here's some guy like doing something really creepy at the car wash or something like that. And, and, but like they actually, it's interesting because they make it more about this, um, they they make it more about like this other character where like who we only hear about who I don't I, now I'm now I'm drawing a blank on her name I know um what's the face the Jana Kramer character plays it I think is it is it Shana or is it um I think it is Shana okay well we'll we'll figure that out but like she's referenced <laughs> yeah. a lot throughout the movie like so much so that I'm like we haven't met this girl yet like are we supposed to know what's going on it's and and no the point is you're not it's just like one of the things that's just like going on in these people's lives and they're doing something about it and that's what the purpose of that car wash is and. You even you even um, have the the new character, and I'm I wish I, rem- I was remembering the girl's name because because I know that actress, the one that's like all into just like rubbing everything all over the cars and like Janelle, so, I think yeah, Jan- the Janelle's name. the character's name. I like that actress because you know she was on the first couple seasons of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. She's on uh, Casual, and I think one oh Dylan uh, Gola or something. That's I guess that's I, it, I, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna mess up her last name, but it's like it co- becomes more about them just being like come on girl you can't be doing this you know it's like well i do like themselves that scene because that shows sort of how tricky a balance it is for regina hall's character because there's that scene where they're doing the the car wash to raise money for this other waitress and janelle is like making a rubbing up like all on the windshield and um regina hall runs down and is like no we are a mainstream bar and grill like it's it's, you know it's like she's like oh but i made a lot of money yeah oh but i made a lot of money she's like huh now, now what I think the guy asked if it was for breast implants, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> yeah so, all right, so so that was pretty funny, and it's like I don't know, but like just to get back to what you said at the beginning, like like Regina Hall is like it's it's a tricky performance, I think, and like I I just enjoy watching her a lot. Like you, I, I guess it starts off with her, like you see how like she's like being really emotional. I guess in that first scene of the movie, I think it's her crying over something and i guess you don't totally know what's going on with her husband at that point and it's like man i I, I, and even though she's not the one that's having to get all dressed up or uh i don't even know dressed up's the right word or having to wear the wear the uniform for lack of a better term like there is still that expectation that like um probably as as a woman like you need to like put on a good face for a job like that because people are going to wonder like why isn't she smiling or something like that like an expectation that they're they're not Mm going to have of like a male manager and she has to go in and like deal with so much different things i mean whether it's that and the and i guess we should have even we probably should have mentioned the whole uh burglary thing before now i don't i wasn't really sure that's the first thing that happens right it's the very first thing she encounters and then there's the cable and it's like being it seems like it could be a trivial thing but like that's a huge thing if a sports bar just doesn't have functioning well, like it's TVs. It's also about how, like, you know, you have days where one thing goes wrong and then that makes another thing go. Because they, they have – there's a guy who's trying to rob 
who's trying to break into the safe and he gets stuck in the vent. And then when they're trying to get him out, they accidentally knock out the cable and then that messes up her business for the day. And she has to spend all day trying to get the cable back on. And it's like one thing goes wrong and then it's like the whole day is messed up. Right. What did you think of that? Uh, what, what What did you think about all the different things that happened in the restaurant as, as crazy and coincidental as some of them might be? I mean, I don't know. It was it was still kind of entertaining, and like I said, I just enjoyed seeing her have to deal with everything, and then and then amongst that, like she has to go with the Danielle character to like make her seduce a weird guy oh, at a, at a, at a need, Best Buy because they, they need, need the an audio for the car wash. For the and ca- the reason they're doing the car wash is because one of the other waitresses hit her abusive boyfriend with her car, and she needs money for a lawyer. So it really is just like you know one thing leading to another. Oh, okay. I I must have missed that. That it was about the hitting the boyfriend with the car. I thought it was. They like, say something like that. You you know like okay. oh she finally ran him over or whatever. Oh, okay. I think I might have just like not realized that that was literal, and so I didn't think anything of it when I heard it. Well, because so, you see him later, and he has like a broken arm or something. Right, and I thought it was more like um, and I, I guess I didn't make the connection that she did it necessarily. I thought it was more like hey, I'm like in really dire financial straits, and she just wanted to help her out. And then, well, all that information comes pretty quickly before you have met any of the characters. Right, but then I just I I kind of I figured it out. Out. Like once, she, once Regina Hall sees the boyfriend, I'm like, oh, it's because she just lied to her about what the money was for, and she thought it was for something very personal and serious. And it's like, no, it's to help out the abusive boyfriend with medical bills, and because you can just tell by Regina Hall's body language towards him that he's obviously mm-hmm. abusive to her, and that's what's going on there. But like, I was like, oh no, she actually hit him with the car. I didn't. I that's that that totally just like went over my head. But it's like it all like does kind of neatly tie up, even if it's just like a whole myriad of things going wrong at the same time well and everything that they have to do tells you a lot about these characters and their situation like she's you know um lisa i think is regina hall's character's name she says to danielle something like okay you gotta go you gotta go flirt with this guy who works at the electronics store and like just that brief scene you get that there's a whole history of this guy coming into the restaurant and being creepy and her resisting it and you also get that like the fact that she would do that says a lot too. It says a lot about how she has a good relationship with Lisa and how like Lisa doesn't like putting these girls in these situations, but they trust her enough to know that like this is for the benefit of someone else. Like it's all very it's only like a 90 minute movie also. It's very efficient in how much you learn about all of these people. Right. Cuz they're they're like 2 hour and 20 minute movies that like deal like develop their characters nowhere near as well as this one does in like such a short amount of time and a a lot of that's obviously the performances but a lot of it's the storytelling and how like you said the fact that someone would do something like that for someone else i mean says a lot in and of itself and um but but yeah no i i agree and like you like you said that, that that tells you about that guy who comes in a lot and i guess you have the other um i guess the other regular that you have is the um the woman who I guess it's implied she's a lesbian because she just like yeah. s- staring there all day, just like gawking at the girls. You're not really sure why she's there. I know that that actress is on Orange is the New Black, but I'm now drawing a name on a blank uh, on her name too. Leah um, Delaria. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's just like if you're going to have one other regular in the store, it's kind of funny that you just have it as a – I guess it's a funny uh, flipping expectations on its head thing that's just a woman that leers at the girls instead of a guy. But you also – like they all are sort of – happy or at least like amused to see her like it's clear that like she's she's harmless like she doesn't harass them she just likes hanging out there and they all are like sort of friends with her too yeah she's just like there and like like i think she's in and out of the within like 
Like she's not there continuously the whole time, but it seems but like they, she comes comes back within like three times during the day. I think she well, they let her in even before the restaurant is open because they're okay. like, yeah, whatever. And then she says later, like, I'll be back for the fight because the whole thing is that there's like a boxing match on, and that's why they need the cable back on immediately. So one of the things that hangs over a lot of the stuff that's like going wrong with the restaurant is this manager, and I guess it's aside from the customers, like he's like the, and then you eventually meet the. Um, uh, you, you eventually meet uh, Regina Hall's husband, but like he's like the one prominent male character aside from the guy they got to seduce, and he's kind of terrible. Uh, so, what did you make of like Regina Hall? How she her interactions with him? They go on that car ride at one point that is kind of like a turning point for the movie, and how they were having to deal with that guy and him being particularly terrible, and her going to all this effort to like make this restaurant work for this guy. Yeah, she. Well, there's the scene where. Yeah, like she had the manager. Where do they go? That they get in the car. They go to she the, has they to go call to the, the manager because there was the break in. Right, and then they and I, I. That's one thing I was a little unclear on. It was exactly like why that was like almost like his main grounds for like it seemed like that was one of the main grounds he was using to fire her because um, she didn't report it to him directly. immediately. Like he had to hear from the cops that somebody had tried to break in when she like she didn't want to call him because she doesn't like dealing with him and like she had it handled. Oh, so he was just. But the the cops are all sort of like they're regular customers, so they're like friendly with him. I I think was the oh, implication because okay. he says something like, "Oh, I had to hear it from my friend on the force." I guess maybe he just doesn't like her, and then he would use that as a reason to push her out. But the first place they went on the car ride was to the was he drove her by that place, the man cave, which is like the bigger, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I the bigger where chain, they were going. the bigger chain place that's opening and. They went one place. At, I don't know if they were driving to his house for some reason or after that. I don't know why. Well, then he... they follow. A guy, like, cuts him off, and he follows right, right, them right. Yeah, on the so... highway at, and, like, yells at him, and the guy, like, punches him. But they right. – no, I was just trying to remember. Yeah, he takes her – he drives her by the man cave, which I guess is really more like Hooters because it's the chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Double Whammies, which is the restaurant where they work, is, like – I think not a chain or it's at least a smaller one, but he takes her by where the man cave is as sort of like a threat. Like they're going to push us out of business. So you have to, you have to be successful and you can't like break rules on me or whatever. Right. And I mean, like this guy gets all getting on a high horse about following the rules when he has some, uh, really messed up practices, including that, uh, more than uh, one African-American waitress on the floor at a mm-hmm. time is unacceptable. And it's like, yeah, wow, this is pretty crazy that they uh, that they put up with this. But it's like, you know, people got to live. And I think that's one of the things where it's like, like I was mentioning earlier, they – they're they're people too you know i mean like they 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 made the choice to go to a place like this and they have their reasons and they have a family in there that like they that they know they can trust to like look out for them even if they have someone over them that like clearly is like not a good person yeah well and that's what is nice about it is that you don't it's this is like a movie about just regular people that in the way that you kind of don't see a lot where it's like these are just people who have a normal job that they don't like, but they have to have because they have to have a job. And it's like, that doesn't mean that they don't like that. They're totally unhappy or that, you know, that they are, they have friends at work and they're like friendly with their manager, but she can't always do everything for them. You know, it's just, it's just a movie about like normal situations. Yeah. Like getting a tattoo of Stephen Curry just because (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that, that was, that was really funny. I mean, it was sad that like, they were like, nah, you're, you're, you can't, you can't work here anymore because of that. But you can't work there because it, the uniform is a crop top, and you would right. 
and it's just like half of Steph Curry's face. But like just like Regina Hall like has to hit like a different note in that scene than she does like the rest of the movie where it's like she clearly finds it funny, but she's it's having to like really she, she she finds it funny, but like she has to like take it seriously because like she knows that like she's having to like tell her sorry you can't work here anymore and then at the same time like she just genuinely like like you said she's kind of the the uh the mother bear and like is there for everyone too and like has to be sympathetic to her and she's like hey let's go drink um so regina hall's face in that scene is so funny because you're right it's like four things at once because like mm -hmm. she is disappointed that she has to fire this girl but it's also really funny because it's such a dumb tattoo but also (laughs) she is sad because she does like her like that's a really good scene yeah no and uh and 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 what you said before about like this being a place where like um they might not like their job but they just do it to do it and that's why i I wanted to bring up the the hayley richardson character because um i guess she's playing the the quote-unquote the perky one and could this be i think a lot more uh stereotypical than of a bimbo waitress if in the hands of a lesser filmmaker but like for i mean first of all she plays that act within the movie well like being the the way she is giving all the other girls instructions on the right ways to flirt without going too far and the face she actually puts on when she's talking to the customer but i think i mean i feel like you, you do eventually like learn enough about that character to make it more than just that yeah i mean i think that is a testament to how good the writing is and also what a good actor Haley Lou Richardson is, especially if you like compare this movie to like her performance in Columbus. Mm-hmm, that's what I was going like, to say. Those are, those are two totally different women. And, yeah. and also like in the hands of a lesser actress, this character would be unbearable. Cause like on paper, like Macy is my nightmare, <laughs> but you don't, the, 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 you don't hang out with those kind of girls in your free time. Well, just people who are just unrelentingly cheery, perky and upbeat like that. Like I can't <laughs> deal with, but I was like so charmed by her in this movie mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not, you don't get the idea that it, I mean, it is to a certain extent, it's a performance cause that's her job. She has to act like she's happy to see customers or whatever, but also it's not, in affectation that she really is that upbeat and that like optimistic because you and also you buy that she would be 40 with a 47 year old community college professor or something like that because like hey that guy is probably going to give me a good tip but the fact that she would date that guy uh says a lot about like man maybe she like even before she gives the speech to Regina Hall about how it's just like nice to have a guy that treats me well uh Mm -hmm. the fact that she made that decision in the first place means that like Hey, like maybe like she's not living like the best, happiest, perkiest life off screen either, you know? So it's like a way of like letting you know, like, Hey, like she's got some other stuff going on, but like the fact that she was like, you said, so charming and perky outside of all that other stuff was like what made me like respect her so much more as an actor. And like, I thought it was a very interesting performance in Columbus and like, the only two things I'd ever seen her do before were the um, Edge of Seventeen, a movie that I love, but she's not asked to do a ton in that yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a pretty small part. And uh, Split, which I think I don't think you saw because it's not kind seen of boring. I feel like that came up on another one of her podcasts. You had seen that? It, but yeah. She basically just screams. Like that's her role in that movie. She's like on uh, Anya Taylor Joy has like the, the the main role where she actually gets to do stuff, and she just gets to scream in that movie. So like when I saw Columbus, I was like, oh, like this is really interesting. I feel like if someone watched this, like they will be like, I want to cast you in my movie because like you're clearly an interesting actress. But I wouldn't have like made that jump from a movie like Columbus to like you're going to be the perky waitress at a Hooters type bar with a heart of gold, you know, and that she's like so different from like polar opposites of that from Columbus. It was like, wow, like 
I'm really excited to see you do other stuff now because like you can clearly do a lot of thing, different interesting things between those two roles. That yeah, um, and just that is a character that could so easily be very one note, and mm-hmm. it's not you did because she you get all the stuff like throughout the movie where there's the part where Regina Hall is like goes outside and like flips off a bird and is like yell because she's all frustrated right. and and um macy like bursts out of the door and sets off a confetti cannon and goes like you're the best and we love you <laughs> but like it's not annoying because by that point you already get that like she's that's, her. that's genuinely who she is yeah even when when she like daps up the um danielle's son when he walks in yeah. she's like she already like, that's, that's another really small moment i forgot to mention earlier where it's just like she brings the son in because i mean look i mean babysitters are expensive and sometimes you're going to have to bring your kid to work if you don't make a ton of money. So you, you just kind of get the idea that like, Oh, this is not an unusual occurrence. He has his own special handshake with Haley, with Haley Lou. And like, that's a really cool moment that uh, just kind of goes to give you an idea of what this restaurant's probably like on a regular basis when you only have 90 minutes there. So you're only getting to see so much of the restaurant at work and that tells you about the restaurant and it's the usual scene there and just the kind of relationship all these women have with each other. Yeah, but you do get like the the final scene where they're um, Macy and Danielle and Lisa are all on the roof after the the man cave mm-hmm. job interview, and you do get a little bit more from Macy. Well, that's when she has that speech about like maybe I'm just happy that a man is nice to me, like, and they all are. You know, they all scream out their like their frustration at this whole process, and you get a little bit more of like maybe she's not so perky all the time. Like she never feels one dimensional. You get. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, I mean, good job by her. Really, really like her. Uh, uh, what did you think of, like, the one thing we didn't touch on because we've covered just about everything else, I guess, is the um, – or two two other things. First, when the rest of Regina Hall when she's outside of the restaurant, like, the, the stuff with her husband, like, she clearly had that, – that's clearly one of the things that was weighing on her a lot. And understandably, like, I guess it's a husband that – I, I guess it's implied he has some depression issues probably because mm-hmm. he's just like sits at home like a bump on a log apparently and won't do anything and isn't motivated very much. And um, I don't know. She's just on a breaking point. Even something like looking for an apartment, it's like even being back at the chaos of the restaurant probably is more comforting to her than like well, apartment hunting. So what do you yeah, think? That's what do you such think a about depressing that? scene where she has to go with her estranged husband to pick out an apartment for him to move into and mm-hmm. she has to like awkwardly say to the real estate agent like because the real estate agent like asks like oh do you have kids and she's like yeah we do but they're grown and also i won't be living here yeah. like it's really sad and like you do like regina hall's really good in this movie because you do get every aspect of she has to play so many different situations where like there are several scenes of her being just sort of disappointed and sad but at different things and in different ways and like and then she always has to like pull herself together and go back to work like she doesn't have the option of like wallowing in it Mm. yeah so she has like these little sides i think you see her like you you mentioned the one where she like runs off and then uh Haley lou shoots off the cannon but uh, and then there's the opening scene where she is upset i think she is outside the restaurant in the opening scene but i think she goes back to the back of the car Oh, in the car, okay. But then she in the very beginning. But you, I think, at least two times throughout the movie, you see her step out the back door just to like mm-hmm. chill because she just like can't. She, that's the only way she can get away. So it's like I don't know the, the stuff with the husband. Like it's small, but it, it it just gives you an idea of like everything else that's going on. And I mean, 
I guess if a less a less strong person could just end up like her husband if you have that many like stressful things going on in her life, but like she's able to push through because she is a, a strong person that's able to take comfort in that other family she has at work, and it's obvious her husband doesn't have that kind of environment anywhere in his life. Um, well, and that's that's the other thing that's nice about this movie is that it is like specifically about um, just like a normal hardworking middle-aged woman who was like just trying her best like there's not necessarily anything like unusual about her it's or just some other really massive lesson about humanity that you're learning you know right you're just other seeing than, than that she's a really like caring hardworking person but it's she's just you know a normal woman and that this movie like has a lot of respect for her for that yeah that i think is nice yeah and I think the, the the last place I want to end, which I think is a good uh, place to end, is that once she do, finally does leave the restaurant and she just ends up quitting before the boss can even have a chance to fire her, uh, things really – shit pretty much hits the fan in the in the final sequence at the end of the night um, when I guess at that point uh, Danielle's been put in charge because the manager kind of said like, hey, you want to be the manager if she leaves and – you kind of see the presence that she had Regina Hall had on the restaurant, like what happens when she's not there. Yeah. And also, I mean, they're sort of, they're intentionally sabotaging it because like in protest of her being fired, but also, yeah, like she, it, it's, it is also clear that like, she would not have wanted them to do that though. She had known. No, no, but it's, it's clear that like her job is much harder than it seems like her being able to keep all of these things running smoothly is harder. Mm hmm than people might give her credit for. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, it, 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 it was entertaining, I think, to um, just to watch everyone go a, a, a little crazy, and um, it was almost it, it also uncomfortably awkward, I guess, a little bit of the, the dancing stuff. Because, yeah, it's pretty comfortable. Uh, um, I, and I don't love cringe humor, but I was like, I, I totally buy that that is what Macy would do in that situation. She, she would be the one to jump up on the bar and like start dancing and just to like fill the dead air. And yeah. I was like, and I, 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 I want to hide behind the couch for you right now and put my hands over my eyes. But like, yeah, that was I to- a little, I, 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 I had to look away. I, like those moments in movies, like sometimes I'm like, oh God, you're making me cringe for no reason. But it's like, yeah, that would happen if you had that employee there and she would try and get a dance party started and it would be awkward. And then, yeah, the, um, the Janelle girl probably would take things too far. And that's, mm-hmm. well, and that, and sure enough, that's what happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, the thing about that scene is that it's not like it's it's sort of it's cringy and uncomfortable, but yeah, you're right, like not in an unnecessary way, and it's not like sort of like you are embarrassed for them, but not the the movie isn't like making fun of them. It's just you know no, they're no. trying their best. Yeah, that's like the, and well, yes, there, there's a certain amount of protest because they, they actually sabotage the cable themselves, right? Uh, I I kind of looked yeah. like one of them like cut, tried to cut a wire or something yes, if yes. I remember correctly. So I think maybe it goes out again on its own, and then they fix it and then they yeah there's a few back and forth things with those wires but like basically they 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 they, they do a little bit of sabotaging but everything else that happens is basically like what those characters would actually do like you said no one's acting out of character necessarily it's just kind of like what happens and it it, it almost reminds me of the i mean this is such a far cry from that because it's such a different thing but it's like it reminded me of the uh, remedial chaos theory you know the community episode (laughs) Oh, where, yeah, one of my favorites. Right, like one of the best television episodes of the last 10 years. And Where he walks in with the pizza. <laughs> right, it's like, well, the great thing about that is that, that there's, that there's so much intricate writing that has to go into that episode, but like 
everything is what would literally happen if those characters were acting like themselves in the absence of whatever character happens to leave. And, right. and also like this is the 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 aftermath of one small thing that goes wrong that right leads to yeah and and i mean and, and that's just like an example of like this is just one example of something like that happening where it's like this is you were you're saying true to all these characters you're not making crazy stuff happen just for the sake of just just to get the audience to laugh a little more because to be honest I, I i laughed a few times at the movie i didn't i didn't laugh a ton i think i think when i saw the strong reviews like i kind of maybe was expecting to just like be cracking up more than i did uh part of it part of it is probably just not seeing it in a theater i mean laughter needs company you know that's the same and when you're watching it by yourself on a laptop it's a little different and two like that's just not what he was going for and that's fine i i had a a pleasant enough i had a very fun time just hanging out with these characters even if it wasn't like the funniest movie in the world or anything yeah i mean it is it is a funny movie but it's not like jokes it's more just like these situations and the the relationships between these characters are they're they're funny and just like the way that like hanging out with your friends is funny it's not like i almost actually just said it's not like funny haha but like that's actually the name of one of his other movies i haven't seen it (laughs) i I almost said that before i stopped myself when i realized that but uh it's true though but yeah um but no is there anything else about the movie that we didn't touch on that you wanted to say no i think that that pretty much covers it i mean it's um i hope I hope people see it because yeah. it seems to be getting a pretty limited release. But the fact that it is is rentable while it is in theaters is a good sign, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, if you live in a big city, like it's probably somewhere in your city. Like it's in Fort Lauderdale. It's just it's a. I didn't like, when I knew I could watch it on my computer for six dollars. Like I would have totally walked across the street and watched it at my AMC if I could have. But like I would have spent more in gas driving to watch it than if I had just mm-hmm. been, so buying it on my computer was the like easy thing to do. But like anyone, you can. Literally go on Fandango or Voodoo. I don't know if I've ever watched a movie. It's on iTunes. Oh, it is on iTunes too. Okay, yeah, that's where I got it. Oh, okay. So there you go. I I wish I just. I wish I had known that. That would have been a little easier than having to create a Fandango Fandango watch account or whatever, or figure out what my Fandango password was. But there you go. You have all these ways to watch online. No excuse. This time of year, it's very slow. Perfectly fun movie, and yeah. So now we're going to talk about uh, Juliet Naked, the the second movie today. It's a it's it's a new movie that's also kind of in limited release, but like I think it's in more theaters than Support the Girls, so you should probably be able to find it if you can. It's by a director named uh, Jesse Peretz. Is that it? Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and adapted from a book that Hannah's read before, but a long time ago, so maybe she'll have some recollections that'll uh, uh, be able to give a little more insight to it. But it's uh, by a guy named Jesse Peretz, ad- adapted from a book by Nick Hornby, starring Rose Byrne, Ethan Hawke. And uh, and Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd as the as the three main people who are man it's such a it's such a funny setup. Uh, Chris O'Dowd plays uh, Chris O'Dowd and Rose Byrne are a couple. They're not married, but they live together. They've lived together for a very long time. Chris O'Dowd, even though he's very 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 Irish, has a uh, huge obsession with with a American musician by the name of Tucker Crow who has not been heard from in 25 years, basically. He had was a alternate rock indie artist, never really got that big, but had one really big album that was big within his weird subsection of followers. Like a cult following, yeah. Right, and then fall, fell off the face of the earth, but as the movie puts it, Chris O'Dowd is the leader of like a 230-person fan club that is fan club that is still very rabid about this guy. And... I guess Rose Byrne has learned to love him in spite of his obsessions. And, uh, but when, 
he receives in the mail a stripped down version of the last album that Tucker Crow ever p- p- played. He writes a blog post on it, and Annie, who did the awful thing of listening to the album before he did, because how dare she? Uh, 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 yeah, I know. Woman, what are you going to do? Um, she, God, she, just like, oh, that guy. Like, yeah, yeah. So she listened to the album and he first and then didn't have very nice things to say. He loved it. He wrote on his blog about it uh, just to get under his skin. She wrote a long comment talking about how it wasn't actually that good. And it's just this guy trying to last grasp attempt to make a few bucks. And out of nowhere, she gets an email from Tucker Crow himself saying, oh, you're right. It sucked. And they become pen pals. And that's kind of where the movie takes off from there. Uh, Hannah, did you you said you read the book a while ago. And uh, so you didn't necessarily remember a lot from it. Did you have uh, any kind of preconceived notions, expectations or anything because of that? Or what were your thoughts going into this? Um, yeah, I had, I, I read the book probably around when it came out and I checked and it came out in 2009. So it has been almost a decade since I read it, but I remembered liking it. If not like if I didn't really remember every detail of it. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I was kind of excited about it cause I like, I like the cast. I like Rose Byrne a lot. Um, and I, I tend to like, um, Nick Hornby adaptations. He wrote, so he wrote Brooklyn, right? He did write, but yeah, he didn't write the book, but he wrote the screenplay. Oh, okay. I knew that. And then, that's where I knew him from. I didn't realize that he's he... and he also wrote the screenplay for an education. And Ooh, I, I, I love files. it. I really like an education. So I have liked stuff based on his books and stuff that he has adapted. Yeah. Um, so this just, uh, just seemed like, you know, it would be a nice, pleasant little movie. And it was like, and it just on, from what I can remember, it's a pretty faithful adaptation. So, I mean, I'm sure they changed some stuff, but it's now been long enough since I read the book that it doesn't seem to be anything major. But right. One of the um, things that's been, that have been happening, like when the movie first got its limited release a couple weeks ago and then all the websites write about it before the common folk like us can see it, um, was that a lot of think pieces about how Ethan Hawke is like just the representation and cinema of Gen X. And how this is like a culmination of all of that because now he's yeah. playing like a rocker Gen Well, X. it's good casting. Yeah, perfect casting. In that, um, well, and it's funny too because when they show like the the photos from Tucker Crow's album, it's just like young, hot Ethan Hawke from like 1994. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like there are so many pictures of them. It's like, if they, but it's been some other actor that hasn't been like a, a acting in movies for 30 years. Like, who knows how they would have like what they would how they would have been able to find all those yeah. pictures but like i'm sure there were just a ton of them out there um so yeah like i mean i i don't know it, it really was perfect casting and it's i don't know it's, it's it's a really interesting uh character because i mean it's a dude that obviously screwed up a lot and it's like i don't know he's he's like clearly for whatever reason feels compelled to bear his soul to this roseburn character and it's like I don't know. I, I just like thinking about him a lot as the movie went on because it's like, yeah, this guy's saying a lot of deep, insightful things, but then you don't you don't even get the full extent of like quite of all the bad things he's necessarily done. Even if you get the idea that he's been an absentee father to a few people, like you don't fully kind of grasp it till later in the movie when you already kind of like the guy. So I kind of enjoyed just having to reconcile a lot of that, and I think there is something to be said. I don't know. I, I saw some stuff that were saying like this movie was more about like about fanboy culture just because of what the Chris O'Dowd character is doing. But I thought it was more of a lesson of like don't think too much about your heroes. And I guess that yeah, is a little about fanboy. Kind of when I think fanboy culture, though, I think more of just like the fanboys being awful to people. 
um, in general online and stuff. But I guess there is more to it than that. Well, I mean, Chris O'Dowd's character is, is awful to Rose Byrne's character. Right. It's not, it's, it's not the, I mean, they're sort of different, like, well, branches of terrible fanboy well, yeah, culture, he kinda, you know? He kind of, it's not even like, well, yes, he's like, you don't get it. And, like, initially, like, he sleeps with a woman just because he likes her reaction to the album better, which yeah. is, like, all kinds of terrible. But it wasn't, it was almost wasn't like, you're not allowed to enjoy this because you're a woman, which is almost what I think of when I think of, like, toxic fanboy culture. Yeah. Because he even, like, it almost seems like a little self-deprecating when, like, when she first posts the, does the blog post and is like, oh, no, that was a woman. He's like, no, it wasn't. We don't get many women. We don't get a lot of ladies. Like, it, it, it almost seemed yeah. like, a, like a self-aware comment from him just about how, like, yeah, I know I'm kind of part of this, like, nerdy group of guys. It wasn't like a, I don't want woman write readers or anything like that. And he actually, like, for for whatever it's worth, he's, like, genuinely, like, like she says at the beginning, like, yeah, he listened kind of when we met, like he does seem interested in talking to a woman. If he, if he feels like they're like intellectually on par with him, which not exactly like the most unproblematic view of things, but like, it wasn't like he was just being totally dismissive of women, which I thought was, I mean, I don't know, kind of an interesting twist. Cause it's like, she's there and it's kind of made clear that like, she thinks he's gone too far, but it's not like she does kind of let him be. And just, she just kind of silently bemoans the fact that what have I done with my life? You know, it's not like they have the most combative relationship up until, like, the events of the movie. She's just, like, silently resenting him, which is an interesting choice because, like, you wouldn't blame someone for just, like, really being more outwardly hostile towards some their live-in partner with that kind of, like, obsession. Well, I think – well, I mean, he's not – He's not like a toxic fanboy in the sense of like someone who'd be like, you should kill yourself because you don't like Star Wars the right way or whatever. But he (laughs) is the, you know, the, that, I mean, this is kind of like an overused term, but he does a lot of mansplaining. Like it's that he is sort of like, you don't like, oh, you just don't get it. Like you'll never, because the album, um, the one album that Tucker Road made was called Juliet and is about an Mm ex-girlfriend and it is sort of that thing of like well you'll never understand you don't know what it's like to have your heart broken right she broke his heart and you'll never get what that's like for a guy like there is a lot of also just he try he sort of tries to like share his interests with her but she's like i don't care about this as much as you do and you're being condescending about it you know it also takes a lot to be someone who whose class i would not want to take on the wire (laughs) (laughs) that is a great touch that he is a professor who teaches a class about the wire because no offense but i've had lots of dudes try and talk to me about the wire and it always the 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 other professor who um who he has the affair with like says something about like his class was like so i need to have read antigone to understand the wire yeah yeah, and that i think is very real yeah that was the one point i was like man god how could this dude make a class on the wire not fun like come on man it was was actually funny that like that's a thing that happened there because i i've heard about like i would have hell i I for sure would have taken that class if it was offered at, at university of florida when i was there but i'd heard that it was taught in classes never actually heard of a school that like this school specifically offers that class and all of a sudden it's being taught at a at a place in like a remote english village basically um and but i actually it was funny i told you uh before we were talking on the podcast i told you how a couple years ago i went to ireland and my tour guide in dublin um he's like a very very irish guy and he actually watched the wire and i was like oh that's cool people over here actually know what the wire is and then sure enough like the next movie i'm like i'm watching a movie where an irish guy is actually teaching a class on the wire but yeah so i don't know like that for sure like this guy like 
has some serious issues. And uh, well, the other thing, oh, sorry, just go, the other thing I was going to say about Rose yeah, Byrne's character is that she says that they've been that she's like almost forty and that they've been together for fifteen years. So they would have been she would have been like twenty four when they first started dating. Right. And I think so. I think it's not necessarily so much that he used to treat her better and like used to listen to her or whatever, and that she has just she's smarter she grown knows up what she wants. and realized that this guy was never really that great. And she was only sort of impressed by him because she grew up in this small town and he was not from that small town and he took her to see lost in translation or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. she but, grew uh, out of it. to be fair, it seemed like she was a little more cultured beforehand than that. She, she probably was a little bit like us and like upset that she couldn't get all the movies and stuff like that. I'm but sure she was, it, but... it seemed like she was excited just to like meet another person from outside of her village that like did like those kind of things. And just, but you know, there's just always that guy. Right. I, uh, I'll take your, I'll take your word for that. And, um, but like, I, I did think it was interesting cause I was thinking about that a little bit as it went on. And I do want to get back to the stuff about, uh, Tucker, but like, I, I was thinking about that as it, it's just like meeting a partner or something. Cause it's like, you might get really excited when you find out that like someone does have like the same, they're into some of the same stuff. Cause that seems like it's like what they got together. It's like, I mean, I, hey, I'm guilty of it. Like, I'm going to be, like, way more interested in a girl if I find out, like, she has really good taste in TV or something like right. that. And then, like, you, you're you going to, like, probably project a lot on and just, like, extra, and just extrapolate or uh, think or, and do a lot of projection about what that person's actually like because you have that one thing in your common. And you're so excited to, like, that you found someone else with that in common. But in reality, like, just because you have that one thing in common doesn't necessarily mean you're a good match. And I think that's, like probably an issue for a lot of people you know that are just trying to be out there in the world and find their person well yeah and that's that's kind of what this movie is about is that like realizing that you can't build a relationship on liking the same movies or like liking the same album yeah even though although i don't think she she's never really into tucker crow the way he like that's the thing that he tries to get her into and she's like yeah he's fine i guess yeah that's the thing she doesn't think he's terrible like i think they yeah i think she was like yeah he's just a guy which is like and that seems like how what most of the general public thought of him like he they didn't think he was a bad musician it was just like he had a guy that and who, who complete insult his, juliet was only ranked 43rd on the alt rock so charts <laughs> that how, is, how could that this is ever a really <laughs> accurate guy on twitter thing yes so it's like not that he was ever bad. He was just a guy, and that's kind of how she sees him. And um, Dylan is like way, 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 way more into him than that. So, uh, but or Duncan, not Dylan, uh, whatever. Not that important, I guess. <laughs> um, He's but, the so, least important of the three main characters. It's true, right? So, but going back to um, Tucker, I mean, because it, it is kind of. I, I do always find it interesting in a movie where it's like you do hear about a character for a, a decent chunk of time before you actually see them. And it's kind of funny just like, oh, that's that's what they're actually like once they come on. And it's a little bit of a mystery to us. I don't – I guess you might have you, – you had the context of the book, but it is kind of interesting to think about it with a plot like this where you're, you're learning about the famous person off the grid. You hear other people talking about it, and then you're just dropped right in. So what did you think when you actually finally saw Ethan Hawke portraying this guy, knowing what you knew about like what this book – what this story was about? I, I think he, I mean, we sort of touched on it, but I, I do think he was really good casting mm-hmm. just in terms of like his image as a famous person and like the era in which he was most famous. Like that's perfect. And also I think it's funny because I think the first time you, you see him is after they have emailed a little bit and then, and like earlier in the movie, they've talked about like Duncan talks about like, there's a room, like he lives on a sheep farm and there's this photo <laughs> of like a guy with a beard that people say to him and you cut to him and he's just like, a normal guy like who lives with his son i mean he lives in like his the ex-wife's garage 
yeah, but you know, he's a normal person. And I do, my favorite little detail in the whole thing is that he has an AOL email address. Oh, I missed that. I thought that that was really funny. (laughs) He's just like, he's not connected to My main personal email is Bell South, which is almost as old. I Uh, just, it's, it's perfect though. Cause it's like, what is, you know, a a guy in his late forties who doesn't really use the internet, he would have an AOL email address. I know, Um, I know a few of those people too today (laughs) in real life. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked his, um, relationship with his son. Like I thought the, the kid they cast as the son was really cute. And I just liked the, the way they interact. I found amusing where he's always just like, come on, man. Like, He's just, he's talking to my, like, he's caring in the way that a dad should be caring, which as we learn is a reason he takes it very seriously. But it's at the same time, like the actual conversational tone he takes with him is just like, he's just another one of the guys. Yeah. It's pretty funny. funny. Well, and then, you know, that sort of takes on more significance as you find out that he has what four other children from four other mothers who he doesn't really have relationships with. And like, this was you know, he has this like six year old or whatever that he's like trying to do it right this time. Right. So before he even uh, crosses the crosses the Atlantic to kind of bring the story to the next step, he he gets a visit from one of his daughters who I guess we know she's in college and she she makes the comment that they haven't seen each other since she was like nine or ten. So it's been around a decade since he last saw her. So that's when we first kind of realize, oh, like we know that like I, I might have been even mentioned before then that he had a a couple other kids i can't remember but it's like oh like this is this is how absentee he's been to like to this extent and well and you find out that like not all of his kids even know about his other kids right. like he has not done a good job in that department no you well you would it's like well you almost get the idea like who knows how much he even talks to them on the phone you know i i, I don't even know like how he has these two twins that live in california or something like that it's like how how often actually is he even talking to them at all but it's like at that point like you do start to start to kind of get the idea that like this guy like he's obviously like done a lot of not great things and not been the most responsible person and as we learn is well probably lost several years to drugs and partying and all that kind of stuff but he actually like seems to at least try and make the best of the situation once she shows up like at that point he's on the straight and narrow for lack of a better term i guess Mm -hmm. well and the the way that he and Roseburn end up meeting in person is that the she's pregnant. The the daughter, yeah, the daughter is pregnant, and she her mother is British, and she has grown up in London, so she's going back to England to have the baby, and so he ends up going to England because she like has the baby prematurely, and so he emails Roseburn and is like, hey, I don't know if this is weird, would you like to meet in person? And that's sort of where it like the second half of the movie. Like yeah. takes off from so, there. So, I mean, I actually, I mean, they are two very, like, interesting, distinct halves, like, once he crosses the pond. Um, I actually, I actually really liked that sequence in the hospital. Like, I thought it was really well done. Like, when, when Where they're all yelling he, at each other. Yeah, just all of a sudden, like, all these people are jumbled in there. You have like, these like two. all of his kids that he didn't know were coming are there. Who don't all know about each other. I'm still not even sure if I can remember in my head because it seemed like um, the, the daughter that did have the kid, uh, Lizzie, she's done a lot of work to, like, just on her own before she even goes on his visit there just to like try and connect them and stuff well there's the um, oldest daughter that he has literally no relationship with right and, and then she's reached Lizzie, out to her right and then they're the like twin teenage boys and then jackson who's the little one who he lives with is that all of them 
Yes, and it, it's it's just a funny scene though, where it's like those, those boys. And all the are, exes are yelling at him. Yeah, the boys are just there on their uh, on their phones. Like uh, Roseburn's trying to leave, and there's the he gets Lizzie's boyfriend to baby daddy to play a song, and like the 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 what I, I gotta. I can't even remember some of the specific lines that the wives were the the exes were saying in each other, but they were they're really funny. And I uh, it is like, oh yeah, I spent, can we spend? Or no, she shows up because he has he has a heart attack. That's what happens. And uh, when he's initially supposed to meet Roseburn, and she, uh, it's funny that like she actually just like I kind of liked it. It wasn't a big deal out of her like not believing and thinking he was all a fraud or whatever. She like just genuinely like is actually kind of worried about him and goes back to the hospital. Yeah. Like, there's not a whole deal made about that. Yeah. I do like that. There's not, I mean, she does early on, like when he first emails her, say like, how do I know it's really you? And he was like, if it, it wasn't me, I would make my life sound a lot better. And then it's just like, not a thing. Yeah. I mean, it makes there sense. isn't like a plot where she's like, I think somebody's catfishing me. They just like, they right. move on, which yeah, is good. Cause just... I'm not interested in, yeah, I didn't really want I didn't, any of that. I didn't need that to be in the story for sure. And uh, but then she shows up, and then once the once the ex shows up that has the twins, uh, is like, God, ten thousand dollars, and you're still alive. <laughs> he's like, he's like ten thousand dollars. Like, yeah, I wasn't gonna fly them coach to see their dad die. That was just like a, it's a ridiculous line, but it was funny. And then eventually he kicks them all out, and then. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird setup where you don't exactly know what either of their expectations are. She's already bonded a little bit with the kids. So he's like, hey, can we just come hang out with you? And she's like, uh, I guess. And, and, and then they just go up there. And uh, I don't know. I, it's just a charming movie. You know, like, I yeah. mean, it doesn't get too, too heavy at any one point. I just like, I don't know. I just enjoyed like, hanging out with all of them. And eventually uh, they get to the point where she's, and he makes a joke, like when he finds the, and that was the other thing I liked, where he finds uh, her, sh- the, the shrine that uh, Duncan had. And it's not a whole thing where like he does think oh, she's yeah. a creeper. It's just like he, he, he laughs and then he just kind of believes her, you know? Yeah, no, I did. Like, cause I, that, that part where he goes to her house and like, sees all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be a whole thing. And then she's like, no, I can explain. And then like, she he lets her explain. Yeah. He lets her explain. And he's like, Oh, this is your shitty ex-boyfriend stuff. And you never cared about it. So it's fine. It's not like you're stalking me. And also I invited myself here. So it's not like you were trying to right. trap me. I, th- I thought that was going to be a whole thing. And it, like, it's understood. I was relieved that it was not a whole thing. Cause right. I hate that kind the, of stuff. The movie's just understated in the right moments when you like you're almost not expecting it to be because a lot of times movies don't make those choices. Uh, did yeah. you? That was the one thing I was going to ask. Though. Did you take it at the beginning that uh, Tucker himself sent the stuff to Duncan? Um, I wasn't sure about. That's a good question, actually. Because I, kind, I of, you... kind of initially assumed that. Because and then when they're, when they're talking about it after that scene where she finds the shrine, it was like. Uh, he kind of it seemed like he might have known who Duncan was, but I couldn't tell. So I didn't know. It seemed like where else would that stuff had come from? Like who that's else a good question, and I don't remember in the book if it if specifies where it came from. But it also just might be there are you know communities like that who are always like trading bootlegs or whatever. And I think it could have just been like, although I, I think it does say there's no return address on the package, right? Yeah, and he makes the comment that everyone in the community is like wants him to share. So I didn't know if that meant that it came from Duncan because he would have been like the or it came from Tucker because he would have been the only guy to have that. I don't know, or uh, but who knows? I, I, that, that was just a point that it's I. It's not really important. I, though. It's not that important. I was just kind of. I thought maybe that was something that was going to come back up, and it didn't. But uh, but yeah. So like they they kind of laugh it off, which I like. I guess we both agreed. Like really good choice that the movie made there. And then uh, he's like, oh, but like he even does say like kind of playfully, oh, did you just bring me back here to? 
parade me around to make him jealous or whatever. And she's like, no, you invited yourself. And he, he's like, also, I don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, good, good point. And, but then like they, he and, uh, he and Duncan, uh, do end up meeting on the beach when Duncan like kind of invites himself over to, to, to talk to Annie, even if like she actually didn't see him, but he tells his mistress, no, I saw him. Uh, she, she saw me I have to go talk to her. And then he meets, uh, Tucker and that, that scene was in the trailer, but what did you think of like that whole exchange? And then the, the subsequent dinner and where it's like, Oh, like he actually really d- is, doesn't like Duncan and is calling him out on some stuff. Oh, well the scene on the beach is really funny Yeah, where, uh, he doesn't believe that it's Tucker. Oh, because he thinks that it's just like a random guy. And he's, he says like, Oh, I'm Tucker Crow. So like, mess with him and then like the the dinner scene is like with the passport <laughs> the passport thing is funny uh, yeah it's just i mean it's like kind of an awkward scene but it does just emphasize that like you know duncan is like not a great guy who has invested way too much because he he says to him like i know so much stuff about you and mm-hmm. like it, it's sort of like he doesn't see him as a real person he sees like it's this like he's all of a sudden facing this obsession he's had his whole life and realizing that that it's just a guy who doesn't think that this album that Duncan has like basically built his whole identity around is any good. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't think it's like a worthwhile piece of art. And that sort of means that um, a big chunk of Duncan's life is arguably not worth anything. So he sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know. No. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just, it's about like the way, people in certain fandoms commit to things in ways that are not healthy, I guess, and sort of like build their whole identity around yeah, a I mean, thing that even the artist might not care that much about. Right. Like, and for a minute, like I felt a little introspective as I'm watching that because it's like, I'm not a, a big fan of any one thing like that, but sometimes I do think like, do I have too big of an obsession with going to movies? Um, right. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to think about because sometimes yeah. I do wonder like, do I have a personality independent of my opinions on TV shows or whatever? Right. It's like, you know, this, like me, like doing these podcasts, like it's, it's become a pretty big part of my life where it's like, I almost feel like I do it sometimes just to like be able to tell people I have a hobby. And but then it's like, right. I've, I've been, I, I've been to the movies like, like I 83 times this year. That doesn't count the old stuff I've seen. And like, it's a lot. It's like, but like, I don't, what, what, what am I going to go outside? Because <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I feel like lots of people have had that moment where like you meet somebody for the first time and they're like, Oh, like, what are you, like, what are you into? Or like, what do you like to do? And you have that moment of like, do I like to do, do I have hobbies? Do I like, do I only like to do one thing like that? Right. You know, because, because if I didn't do a podcast, I would just be like, uh, I go to the movies like a lot and right. I live across the street from movie theater and I, I watch a lot of TV shows and, uh, I watch sports and like, is that a personality? Like, well, and that this movie is an example of like when that sort of spills over into being harmful to people around you. Right. Yeah. And luckily, I mean, I, I, I I feel like I, my interactions with people about movies are generally positive because it's just when I call them to talk about it, I don't like force it upon anyone. It's like, would you want to do a podcast on this? Sure. I'm not going to like, be all up in your face about something, you know, if you don't want it to be, but like if you live with someone and you are like way, way too into something like, yeah, like there is going to be kind of a negative effect. Well, and, and I also always have that fear of like, 
I will talk too much about something that I am into that the person I'm talking to doesn't care about, but I can't stop. And then they hate that thing on principle because I won't shut up about it. And some people don't have that impulse. And that is how you end up with people like Chris O'Dowd's character, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you recommend stuff to people a lot. Like I wish, like I sometimes like am too pushy with people, like with my recommendations. And it, it makes me happy when like someone watches something that I recommended and they like it. Like that's a really good feeling to have. But other times I will tell someone that I'm so sure they are going to like this movie because I love this movie and I know I have a feel like I got to grasp what they like. And like, I just continually, continually ask them to like watch the thing and they don't watch the thing. And then at some point they might watch the thing. And then it's like, then I feel bad because I feel like I've like hyped hyped it up too much. Sometimes I do it. And sometimes I don't because sometimes I'm afraid to recommend stuff because then it's like, well, if this person thinks that it's stupid, then every time I think about it, I will think about the fact that they didn't like it. And I'll think that I'm wrong for liking it. You know, it's a whole. And that's also part of the reason I like, I actually have enjoyed going to the movies by myself more than I like than with other people these days that's why I do it a lot of times it's gonna like my alternative it's gonna be like I, I follow the movies more than any of my other friends so then if I like bring them to the movie and they don't like it then I've wasted their time and so it's like what if like that is extrapolated over the course of a 15 year cohabitating relationship like <laughs> we've sort of gone off the out. rails here but that's what this movie's about yeah exactly so I mean that I mean yeah so their, their relationship gets to that point um but then, so they have the thing where they, what, what did you think about her job? Do you have thoughts on that? Um, I loved it because I love when there are fake museum exhibits in movies. I don't remember if we've talked about this. No, it's, it's, never, um, it's never come up. <laughs> Cause that's like one of my big like areas of interest is like museum studies and like museum design. Right. And I love it when like, like Ocean's 8 had it this year. I love it when there are fake museum exhibits in movies. That's a very specific genre that right. I'm into. So I liked that that was her job. I liked that the climax of the movie takes place in a little, like, small town museum. Summer of 64. Summer of 64. I was into it. <laughs> it's a, I, I, I could see that being uh, being your jam. Um, <laughs> it's very much my jam. But then he plays the song. Hey, Ethan Hawke, not a bad singer. What do you know? Um, and uh, and then they 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 get after, – after that, they get rather intimate, but then the uh, – the the son interrupts it because he threw up on himself and um the next day i guess they kind of jump to where all of a sudden after they've decided that was actually a really funny moment when they're at the museum and she's like would you be into me sexually is it's right yeah. after right after she talks to the woman that's like yeah i wish i would have gone for it with that guy 53 years ago you know you just yeah. kinda like she's like i'm 84 and i've never made a wrong decision or something or no it's like I'm, 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 i never I'm, did anything I, I, nothing bad i always thought nothing bad could happen if i just didn't do anything and like i wish i had and then all of a sudden she's like all right that's my like, i'm gonna i'm gonna make my move like do you like me in a sexual way and want to see about that and he's like yeah, you know, I would have been more assertive if I didn't have the heart attack. Well, he says, like, right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that's funny. And so they're obviously in a pretty good place where they're, like, they're actually, like, saying their feelings. And But the next day, like, I guess um, Lizzie has uh, – or no, is it at that point where – well, no, they, they, I guess they, they yeah, go on a little more they go to see the baby. Cause right. they, and they, they, like, they start to have sex and then they get interrupted and they're, like, leaving the next day anyway. And they, and they kind of have a conversation where she's like uh, – we could try this, but it doesn't make any sense. Like your life is in America. You live there. Like your son lives there. Your son's mother is there. Like there's no reason for you to stay. And then they, like she drives off. Yeah. And then, or, or no, I think they're having like a walk where they're talking about it. And then all of a sudden you jump to when they have to go back to London because, um, like the baby daddy's left. And I mean, it seems, and I like that scene because it seems like he, 
I mean, while he was trying to talk her into it, like, I feel like he gets it. And like any time at which he isn't uh, going to be taking care of the, the younger kid back in America, it's like he probably understands now that like, look, I have a bigger responsibility now. Like I have a grandson who like while the grandma lives there, it's like, hey, they probably will need more help. And any free time you're spending across the pond should probably be with him instead of like with some other woman on an in a small town on the other side of england who you've known for a couple weeks well and like the implication being that like this is the kind of thing that he would have done 20 years ago or whatever but now like and i like he's a grown-up and i like thinking about it because like we are meant to like annie as a character and it's like but we learn a lot of stuff about tucker where it's like man you've done some shit and uh but it's like at some point it's like and, and like he even says it, like look like because I've done all this stuff like I'm paying for these mistakes and they don't really go away but it's like at some point like you got to know like when when can someone redeem themselves from all the crap they've done and be like a worthwhile person for you to invest in like she, and she's having to make that decision and uh well not that she has to make that decision it's they're kind of separated and I, I don't know what to make of the end or if the book intimates more like do they end up getting I back together or not? I genuinely don't remember. <laughs> and I don't even know if it's it's not necessarily that important, but I didn't know if we were supposed to take it as that or something because then there's the post-credit scene where um, – Yeah, the the movie – the actual end of the movie implies that they will yeah. just continue being friends and see each other occasionally when he's in England, but then the post-credits thing implies right. that they got together. Yeah, and, and, she, and, like, and she inspired his new album. Either one is fine with me. Yeah, I'm not going to – I don't really care. not going to sweat it. I was just kind of curious. I don't remember. I think I still have the book. I should look and see. But, but I, actually, I shouldn't have jumped ahead that far because I do like that she just moved to London because, I mean, yes. uh, I was thinking that like the whole movie. It's like I get it. Like I would not want to spend my whole life in some really small town if I haven't found like a family and a career I like and nothing really tying me down except a, a job, which might seem like a cool job to you where you get to curate random museum exhibits. But, but like Take so, that job in a second. Yeah. So <laughs> but like she's obviously not totally being fulfilled by it as fun as it might be to just like dig up shark eyes and r- random pictures from the 60s or whatever. Um, she wants something more. And I'm just thinking like you don't have anything tying you down except like a loser boyfriend who cheated on you. Like, you know, like – you could just move to London probably and find a job there. And, and like I actually had that thought, and it's like she just does it. And and I, I, they don't even tell us if she decides to like um, have a kid on her own. But like you do you. Do that if you want and just like live in London and maybe you'll find a guy that way because you're – Well, yeah, and that's something I like about this movie is that like it is a rom-com, but there's sort of surprisingly little emphasis on who she ends up with or doesn't. Like it's like – Yeah, it doesn't, judge, it doesn't her. judge her too hard for like – not finding a better dude or anything like that. No. Like, it's just like, yeah, have a kid on your own. It's, you do it's you. So, it's more about her, like learning to like want more for herself than it is for her to end up with one specific man or not. Totally. Which is probably why I liked it. Cause I'm not like huge on rom-coms usually, right. but I do like that. This one was just like about grownups making responsible decisions. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool. Cause I mean, like a lot, I mean, I, I, I probably, I guess I probably like rom-coms a little more than you, but like a lot of them are just like, man, what's wrong with this girl? She can't find a man and she's really pretty. You know, I feel like that's what the premise of like a lot are. And it's, and it never really says, it never makes, makes any kind of statement like that about her. It's just like, she hasn't like really put herself out there and taken risks. And she kind of understands that about herself and she's going to try and figure it out. And that's just kind that's just kind of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to suggest that this is like any sort of subversive or like really inventive movie. Like it's just, it's a, it's a nice it's little a, yeah. romantic comedy, but it doesn't do a lot of things that can annoy me about romantic comedies. For sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, I think, 
I don't know. Uh, is there anything else we didn't talk about? I mean, uh, we talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's probably more than anyone's going to talk about that movie. But like, I, I, did, it was just interesting. I was watching because I wasn't expecting much, and I thought actually when I was done, I was like, yeah, this is a light movie, but there's a good amount I, to talk about. It even got pretty yeah. dark, I guess, at the moment where he makes the call to the other daughter. You know, that it could get to that dark of a point where it I did is just, like that though. That it was he calls the daughter and she says like, I don't understand why you're calling me. I have a dad, and they he's sort of like. I understand, and they leave it at that because you know that kind of thing doesn't always work out. Yeah, for sure. And in in the movies, it might normally, it might it might normally. So it's like kind of interesting that he was just like uh, that was that was the I, I didn't even I was about to say resolution, but like it's just, it's not even really a resolution. It's just like yeah. it's just kind of like a thread and that's like, left hanging. Just because you have gotten your life together doesn't mean that that fixes things that you did in the past. Like I think. Yeah, you, you, know. you, you can do you can try and do your best and you're not going to be able to fix everything. And he's going to it seems like he is going to make an honest effort to, like, be there for the kid that he's actually kind of raising. He seems like he's raising it even more than the mom. Don't know if that's the best thing for the kid, but that's another story for another day. Living um, in the garage. Right. But uh, but uh, like the, it's that he's really seemed to genuinely be there for the grandson and all that. And yeah, so I don't know. Good on good, good on these people for giving me a fun time at the movies. It seems like you enjoyed it, too. Um, also one that uh movie pass worked for yeah i hadn't checked in with you on <laughs> a that rare so. occurrence these days so have you, you you didn't cut the cord on movie pass yet i check in with everyone no, i'm these writing days it out i think i don't know i think i can still make it a good deal we'll see right so i i, I was on the annual plan and i'm not getting kicked off till november and they they, they kicked the, they kicked it the, they killed the annual plan a few days ago though and they were just like you will give you I a was refund. on the monthly plan anyway. Uh, okay. Well, they they, they, so. they, were, they were very disingenuous about it. They were just like, well, we're going to have to discontinue this plan now as if like we had been able to just like go along with it working perfectly fine the last two months, whereas like we were under the same issues as everyone else. And then it's like, we can give you a prorated refund, which for me would have been like three months of like $7 a month. I'm like, if I can go to three movies with it over the next few months, I may as well keep it. And that's the thing. If I can, in fact, see three movies a month, it is still a good deal. Whether they will let me see three movies a month remains to be seen. But I'm just at this point, I almost think it's funny. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like you're one of the last I will people probably going to Blockbuster. Give it to the- least the end of the year yeah there you go but no but like it was it, it wasn't at my amc that's the thing i live a, i live in an amc i live right next to an amc and if it can get me into indies at other theaters that are within a 15 minute drive of me then that are not across the street from me then like it's worth it for if i can do that twice a month then like yeah i'll do that uh but i don't know it, it worked and uh I just need to find like two more, and then I'll then I've gotten my money's worth f- for turning down that refund. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad I could check in with you on that because I um, <laughs> yeah, I, not to start a whole thing. No, no, I've talked so I've, 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 I've talked way too much. I I don't, I don't know if you saw. I did like a movie pass podcast yeah. where I talked to like people around the country, which is cool. But like, I mean, I I I, I could talk to like for so long about it. Now it's kind of like we know where it's probably going to end up, and like I there's only so much to say. But like, I'm always curious to like know what people are living in different areas next to different kinds of theaters are thinking about it but yeah so i appreciate you taking the time to talk for me for so long about a couple of obscure movies hannah um yeah uh, for like two movies where not really that much stuff happens we talked about them for a long time yeah no but like, i think it was two of the better conversations i've had in uh recent weeks on the podcast um i actually randomly had a really fun podcast about to all the boys i've loved before though last week so like i've i've, I've actually stretched a lot of minutes out of some not so weighty films but uh i i appreciate you uh being so generous with your time uh, uh oh, yeah do you want to plug your twitter account or anything 
Um, yeah, my Twitter is at H-G-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. And I'm at Josh Chernovoy, as usual, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. It's a random couple weeks, but I'm, I will have an episode out next week, I am fairly sure. So stay tuned. It'll be a surprise. Depends on what the f- fine folks that uh, deign to join me on this podcast decide to see, because I'll be seeing all the random crap, and someone else just needs to see one of those things. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'm sure it'll be fun, and we'll see you next time.